Merry Christmas. This is Gary Weber. I'm the pastor here at Southside Baptist Church. And I want to take this opportunity to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and to thank you for the time that you invest listening to the podcast from Southside. It means a lot to me and our entire team that you trust us with your spiritual disciplines by making our podcast part of your weekly routine. We want to invite you to visit our website, www.ssbc.org, where you can join us in participating in the Advent Conspiracy. You can make contributions to local and even international mission projects. Or you may just want to make a contribution to Southside's general fund and support the ministry here. Again, you can visit www.ssbc.org to find out more about how you can become involved in the ministry at Southside. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, Southside. It is great to see all of you here. Thank you for coming and uh, spending part of your Christmas celebration with us tonight uh, at this uh, annual, uh, what has become a tradition for many folks. Uh, It's always great to be together and uh, see some folks that maybe we haven't seen since last year as you're back in town. So welcome if you're in town visiting. We're so glad uh, that you're here and part of our Christmas Eve celebration and hope you'll join us again tomorrow morning at 11. Uh, Every six years we get to celebrate Christmas on a Sunday and so we're going to gather again tomorrow morning at 11 to worship and I hope you'll uh, come and be a part of that worship celebration if not here uh, maybe somewhere else and and I know tonight uh, there are some excited kids in the room is that right kids are you excited? Maybe they're already sleeping no not yet. The faster you go to sleep, boys and girls, the faster it happens. You're welcome, moms and dads. You can, you can thank me later. Uh, listen, when we get together on Christmas Eve, um, you know, the Christmas story is the same every year. Uh, when you've gathered here before, you've heard it before. It's got angels in it, and it's got shepherds in it. Um, there's a, a night sky with stars in it. There are angels that come and sing, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill to men. There's Mary and Joseph uh, and this couple that can't find a place to, to, to have a baby. And so they make their way out into a barn where uh, Mary gives birth to the Christ child and lays the baby, wraps the baby in swaddling clothes and, and lays him in a manger. We've heard the story. For, for many of you in the room, you've heard it multiple times. Uh, whether you come to church on a regular basis or not, it's a story that, that everybody, everybody knows and everybody loves. And it's appropriate that at Christmas time we would tell it over and over again. For thousands, just think about this, for thousands of years people have gathered And told the stories that we read about in the Bible. On nights like this that we set aside to remember particular events in the life of Jesus. Where we reflect on on his life and and what it means to us. Uh, One of Jesus' disciples, uh, most likely his youngest disciple, was a disciple by the name of John. And John was actually the longest living disciple. So he, he outlived all the others so as John is an old man and all the other disciples have already, have already died and John's the only one left, uh, John decides it's time for him to, to write the story of Jesus. Others have written the story, but, but John wants to tell it from his perspective. So John sits down to write the story and when he writes about the birth of Jesus, he doesn't include the angels and he doesn't include the shepherds and there are no wise men. And, and there is no manger and, and, and no baby laid in, in, in a feeding trough. John, of all people, could have told that story. You might remember that John was the disciple that Jesus told to take care of his mama. As Jesus is dying on the cross, he looks at John and, and says, John, take care of my mom. And, and most people think that, that John, 
that John honored that request. That he took Mary into his home. Most people think they, they eventually made their way to the city of Ephesus where Mary lived with John until the day she died. So if anybody could have told the story from the perspective of Mary, it was John. After all, he had direct access to her. He, she could have recounted all the stories about the angels and the shepherds and the wise men showing up and, and King Herod. But, but John didn't tell that story. John probably looked and said, others have already told that story. Let me peel the curtain back and tell you what was going on behind the story. If you have a Bible, I invite you to look at John chapter 1, the very beginning. We'll put these verses on the screen as well. And if you don't have a Bible in your home, uh, you're welcome to take the Bible that's in front of you and the rack in front of you home tonight as our gift to you. Uh, But John chapter 1, listen to how John tells the Christmas story. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the Word, verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the way John chose to tell the Christmas story. And tonight, as you're going to leave here and go back, and maybe you're going to have dinner with some family, and certainly maybe at some point there might be some gifts, and maybe you'll gather with some, some friends uh, even as you leave here this evening. I just want to challenge you to take three ideas from this telling of the Christmas story. Three ideas that, that maybe they'll be as useful to you come February and July and August as they are at Christmas time. Three things that John tells us about the birth of Jesus that is so important for us. The first thing that John tells us is that he was the Word. The Word. Now this idea of the Word, when he starts this idea, the Word became flesh, the Greek word is logos, which is where we get our word logical or reason. In other words, God, in the beginning, when he created everything, he created it with order and with reason. The the psalmist said, the heavens declare the glories of God. Maybe you're here tonight and you, maybe you question the existence of God. Maybe you're not sure about God. You're, maybe you came with family or friends or some sense of obligation, but somewhere in your mind there is a little bit of a doubt about if there is any design or order to the universe. And the Bible says there is. That, that this word that was in the beginning created everything. Paul tells us that in the creation, from the beginning of time, we have been able to see in all the things that are created the glories of God, that he has revealed himself to us. God has made himself known. God wants you to know him. He planted himself even in the created order. That as you walk around and you see the beauty of the sky, it's no accident. You're no accident. It's no accident that we would be here tonight. As we gather in this place and of all the places you could be and and all the things you could be hearing that just for such a time as this, we are here. There is a design and an order. And John said in the beginning was the word and this word was God and it was with God. It was the word. 
Now, let me just ask you to imagine something. I, I don't know, maybe some of you, this is the way you, you live. You, you might live in another city. Most folks in Jacksonville uh, don't enjoy a, a great mass transit system. But just for a minute, imagine that you lived in a city where you use mass transit. And so you were getting on a bus every day or, or maybe a, a subway or a tram every day at the same place and you were going to work and you were traveling the same distance every day and there would be other people who would get on that bus or that tram with you and you would see them every day, the same people over and over again. You would not say that you know those people, even though you may know something about them. You may know that the guy who has got the, 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 the long hair and who carries the brown briefcase gets on at this stop every day. But that doesn't mean you know him. You wouldn't claim to know him. But if you one day were to sit next to that man and you were to talk to him, the minute he began to t- speak words to you, the words make you know him. Or, or maybe there's somebody else on the bus who, who leaves a journal and you pick the journal up and you can't help it. You just read some of it. And you read the words that they've written, and somehow through the words, you learn something about them. You feel like you know them. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and you can know God through his created order. But it's better than that, because John tells us that this Word, who's been revealing himself from the beginning of creation, this Word became flesh. That Word took on flesh. And, and it makes, the, makes us ask this question, can you see God? Can you actually see him? Theologians and people who have started world religions have debated this for, for centuries. In fact, our, our Muslim neighbors and friends would say that there is no way that you can see God. It says in the Quran, chapter 6, verse 103, vision cannot grasp him. In other words, you can't see God. When the prophet Muhammad was asked if he saw God when God gave him the Quran, he said there was only light. How could I see him? This is a lot like the Old Testament Jewish belief. When Moses was up on the mountain and God gave him the Ten Commandments, and Moses said, I just want to see your glory. And God said, Moses, you can't handle my glory. Who can see the glory of God and survive? There was no way to be able to see him. You couldn't grasp him. You couldn't understand him. And that's why what John said is so amazingly revolutionary. Because in the Christian faith, we believe not only is there a God, but he's a personal God. He's a God that you can know. He's a God who made himself accessible to us. Because we believe that the word became flesh. Jesus was talking to his disciples one time and he, he, was, he, was, he said to them in John chapter 14 verse 7, if you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, listen to what he said, you do know him and you have seen him. To which one of his disciples, Philip, said, Jesus, when did we see God? If you would just show us God, that would be enough. And Jesus replied to Philip, Philip, have you been with me all this time and you still don't know who I am? He said this in verse 9, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. The Word became flesh. Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1, he is the image of the invisible God. At the center of the Christian faith is the belief that God can be known. 
that he has actively revealed himself to us through Jesus Christ. You see, when we gather for Christmas, it's easy to get lost in the story of a baby that was born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger. And that's a good reason to celebrate, but Christmas is about something much more significant than the birth of a baby. Christmas is about the fact that God took on flesh, that God himself came to dwell among us, that he made himself accessible to us. John, who's writing this story, says, we have seen him, we've touched him, we've eaten with him, we've heard him ourselves. This God that we're telling you about is a God that we know, and John wants you to know, you can know him too. And isn't it funny, to, I've always thought this was interesting. If I could write the Bible, I'd write it differently. How about you? I'd, I'd write it a little differently because it would make sense to me that if God is going to reveal himself, he ought to do it in the year 2016, right? I mean, after all, we've got Facebook Live. I mean, if, if, God, if God really wanted to reveal himself to all the world, what a better time than right now when there's a 24-hour news cycle and they're just begging for some good news. They're just begging, or maybe they're begging for bad news, but they're begging for something to fill all the time they've got. But God didn't choose to do that. He could have, but he didn't. And when God decided to reveal himself, he didn't do it even through a book. I mean, the Bible tells us a lot about God, but you know, the Bible as we have it today wasn't, wasn't put together for, for hundreds of years after Jesus. When, when God chose to reveal himself, he didn't even do it through the Ten Commandments, through rules and regulations. That's not how God revealed himself. Listen, when God decided he was going to show up and reveal himself, he didn't even do it through the church. I love the church. But, but God said, I'm not going to use an institution and an organization in order to reveal myself. When God decided he was going to reveal himself, he did it by taking on flesh. He did it by coming and becoming one of us. This is why the writer of Hebrews says, we have a Savior who is familiar with all of our struggles and all of our difficulties. Listen, Christmas, the holidays are hard, right? I mean, some of you are here tonight and you're struggling, there's an empty place at your table this Christmas that wasn't empty last year. You're struggling because maybe the divorce was finalized this year, and this is your first Christmas with trying to decide where the kids are going to go and who's going to get who when. I mean, life is just hard. Part of the message of Christmas is that the Word became flesh, that we have a Savior who understands our struggles and difficulties. Have you been betrayed? Jesus knows what that feels like. Have you been abandoned? Jesus has got your back. He knows what that's like. Have you been lonely? Jesus was lonely. Have you been hungry? Jesus was hungry. Have you been homeless? Jesus was homeless. Jesus understands how we feel because the word became flesh. He bled just like we bleed. He felt the way we feel. He understands even how you feel when you're here today. Jesus understands he understands the struggle of temptation. He understands how hard life can be. There is a Savior, there is a God who not only can be known, but he understands where you're coming from. Jesus understands you. And maybe for some of you, you're thinking, well, I know something Jesus doesn't understand. I feel like God's abandoned me. I feel like God is neglecting me. I feel like God has let me down. Jesus felt that too. When Jesus was on the cross, the sky turned dark, and Jesus cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you, what is the word? Forsaken me. 
See, Jesus understands what it feels like even to be neglected and abandoned by God. If you're here tonight and you feel that way, the word became flesh so that he could feel what you feel. But it's even better than that. Because John says, the word became flesh and that he dwelt among us. Actually, the little word that says dwelt among us is is a word literally means tabernacle. That, that the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Now, the tabernacle was basically a fancy tent that the Israelites used when they were nomadic people. They were wandering around the desert for 40 years, and they had this tent that they would set up, and it's where they would go to worship God. They believed that is where God himself dwelt, that the people were too sinful. We're too messed up for God to just mix and mingle with us. So God stayed in the tent, and that's where he dwelt. But John says... At Christmas, the word became flesh, and he tabernacled among us. In other words, God came out of the tent. He came out among us, and he lived with us. He came into our pain and into our sorrow and into our joys, into, into our lives so that we could see him and know him. In the year 1964, in Queens, New York, there was a lady by the name of Kitty Genovese. Um, as she was going home that evening, she was attacked. And um, she began to cry out for someone to, to, to come to her aid, to come to her assistance. And, and all around her, the apartment buildings around her, people opened their windows and, and looked out to see what was going on as they heard Kitty's cries. And they all watched, but nobody came down. Nobody left the apartments and came down. For some, they thought maybe, there were, maybe somebody else will call There were 37 or 38 people who watched this attack happen. And not one of them came down. Others didn't come down because they were afraid. Maybe maybe they were afraid that they would be harmed themselves. But everybody watched, and Kitty died that night. And nobody came to her aid and rescue. But that's not our story. Because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That God saw the struggle, he saw the pain, and not only was he willing to come down into our suffering, but he came down knowing that he would have to give his life to rescue you and to rescue me. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That flesh that would be pierced as he hung on the cross, As he gathered with his disciples shortly before he was arrested, Jesus took a meal, basically a holiday meal, much like many of you have already eaten or will eat or continue to eat over the next week. He took just a normal, customary holiday meal, and he took the bread and he broke the bread. He said, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. To which all the disciples must have thought, well, that's kind of a weird thing to say. Why would he say that? And then he took the wine and he poured the wine and he gave it to them. He said, this wine is my blood which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And by now the disciples are so used to Jesus saying odd things, they, they, they just go with it. They don't even understand it. But just within hours of Jesus giving them this physical demonstration, Jesus died on the cross that his flesh and his blood were broken and poured out so that we might be rescued The word that became flesh and dwelt among us died so that we would have a way to be saved. 
we'd have a way to be rescued. Listen, for some of you, for some of you, I, I know and understand, and, and I get the fact that, that maybe, maybe your only religious experience comes around the holidays. But I know that your struggles, your doubts, your fears, your worries, your excitements, your joys, all those things happen all year long. And, and I want you to know that God is as concerned about you in March as he is in December. And that even though you may not participate in any sort of a religious activity on a regular basis, God has not forgotten you. That, that God knows where you are and he knows your struggles. And tonight as we come to this Christmas Eve celebration and we remember not just a baby that was born, but we remember a Savior who was willing to die, the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Tonight, as we take this communion, I want to just ask you to think about the Word that was made flesh. And, and as you take this little cup, which is this piece of bread and just a little bit of grape juice. And as you eat it, I want you to think about those words that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And think about the fact that as you eat that, is he dwelling inside of you tonight? Is there room in your heart for the Christ child tonight? I, I don't know if or where you go to church, but if you are here tonight and you are a baptized believer, you're welcome to participate with us. It doesn't matter if you're a member at Southside or any other church. We, we invite you to join us as we take communion and as we reflect on this word that became flesh and dwelt among us. I'm going to ask our deacons if they'll come forward. And we're going to pray, and they're going to bring by the communion to you in, in just a few moments. And as they do, we invite you to take that and hold it for just a minute as we partake of the elements together. Father, tonight we come and we remember this word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Father, we think about the sacrifice, his willingness to leave heaven and to come down into our, stra into our pain and into our struggle. And Lord, for tonight, for some who are here, the reminder that they're not forgotten is an important reminder. Father, may this Christmas celebration not just be about a baby who was born 2,000 years ago, but may it be about the reality that Jesus has come to dwell in our hearts even now tonight. For those who are lonely, may your presence uh, fill them with hope. Uh, for those tonight who are struggling with loss, may your presence come in and fill up the empty places. And Father, as we take this bread and this juice, may we remember the sacrifice that you made and the love that it displays. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.